Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome once again to Bethesda. We're honored that you're here. Uh, Again, don't forget about baptism. Get registered uh, if you have not done that. Today, we're going to conclude our series on bloodline. How many of you have enjoyed this series so far? You enjoyed it? Uh, Thinking about the last few weeks, and even today, maybe the deepest of all three messages, um, we we have not been on the milk the last few weeks. We have been on um, what I call filet mignon, because that's my preference. Um, but we've been on the meat, and I know some of this you have to digest. You got to chew on it a little bit and pray over it. Uh, today will be no different, but we will conclude this series today uh, talking about bloodline, and we're going to start where we have each week Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews 13. I may do a little more teaching than I do preaching. Is that all right? Lock the doors, don't let anybody leave. Hebrews 13, verse 20. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to tie a verse to it. Revelation chapter number 12, verses 10 and 11. It says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. The word accuser, I told you last week, it comes from the phrase a cursor, the one who curses. That's what the enemy wants to do. Who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We have been given an everlasting covenant that God gave to us through Jesus, that it was sealed and ratified through the shedding of Jesus's blood. And it's a powerful concept to understand that salvation is not a deal between God and you or God and me. Salvation is really a deal between God and Jesus. It's a deal that they made. When he could find no one else to swear to, the Bible says God swore to himself, right? He took, uh, he took counsel within himself uh, and to, to make this covenant that when we read the everlasting covenant in the book of Hebrews that we have this covenant through the blood of Jesus, chronologically, it's the last covenant that we see, the last one that was sealed uh, through the blood of Jesus. Um, That's if we're looking at it uh, in time. But in eternity, you have to understand, it, it may look like it's the last covenant, but it's really the first covenant that God ever made. Because God tells us through his word, he says that Jesus was the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. That means that before God created Adam, Jesus was slain in the heart of God. 
that the spirit of that deal was already done before Adam or angels or any of that, that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so that is the, the, it's a powerful covenant. And then God goes back in time, walks us through all these other covenants so that he can show us that the most powerful covenant is the everlasting covenant, but it's also the first covenant that God gave us. Now it was sealed. It was ratified by the blood of Jesus. Um, With all of that being said, one of the things that has to come strongly into the hearts of God's people is the understanding that this is not God's plan B. The everlasting covenant, Jesus being crucified, was not God's plan B. And for us to exercise dominion in the earth, we have to know that God is still on plan A. Because before Adam sinned, Jesus was already the lamb slain. And so it's not that God is on plan B, and I'm going to take it a step further. God is not simply reacting or responding to what Satan does or what you and I do. God had a plan in place before we ever messed up. And so to exercise dominion, i got to understand God's not working on secondary plans. God is still working out plan A. And so it did not surprise God when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. God was not caught off guard. God is not caught off guard by your mistakes. Some of y'all come in here and you, you're like half, you know, should I praise God or not? Because you're thinking about your mistake. Well, whether you made a mistake yesterday or not, he's still worthy to be praised. Right? Like, you you know, God is not surprised or taken back or he's not thinking, well, what am I going to do with you? I didn't expect you. Like, that's not how God, God is, God is prepared. God was planned for this moment. He had planned for this moment. And so he made an everlasting covenant that is ratified by the blood of Jesus. But we have a lot of religious teaching that will tell us that God is just reacting to what the devil does. It's not, not the way it works. God has a plan in place and he's working his plan. And, and that's, that's biblical, that's solid biblical teaching. All right. Just, just biblical. We, we have to grab hold of that. When it comes to blood though, within the confines of scripture, there is often, often a natural and a spiritual thing happening at the same time. And I want to walk this out. This is where it's going to get a little teachy. God will take a spiritual thing and he will place it inside of a natural thing. And a lot of times he will leave the spiritual thing hidden in the natural thing until at the end he can pull the spiritual thing out so that you can see it. For example, God created Adam. Adam is formed of the dust of the ground. That The word formed means God was personally involved in shaping Adam from the dust. His name literally means mud man. That's what it means. The name Adam means mud man. He is a body. He is a structure. He, he's material. But until God breathed the breath of life into him, he was just a structure. He was just a form. There was no life in Adam until God breathed the breath of life into him. And so we know that when God did that, he deposited both spirit and blood. And it's awesome to see how God put a part of himself in something natural. A part, uh, how many of you understand that you are carriers of the glory of God? That you carry the presence of God. That, That it is the Christ in us, the hope 
of glory. And so when he breathed into Adam, Adam became a living soul. The living part speaks of the spiritual nature of Adam that came directly from God. The soul part is the part where I think, I feel, I remember what I want. That, that's the soulish realm. The, the, the problem we have is distinguishing between soul and spirit. And it's hard to do, so hard to do that the scripture tells us that the only thing that can divide, they're so interconnected, the only thing that can divide soul from spirit is God's word. Look at Hebrews 4, it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit. So only the word of God can separate soul and spirit, that, that there's a natural thing and a spiritual thing happening at the same time. So if Adam was only material before God breathed the breath of life into him, we have to ask, where did his blood come from? That's what we've been establishing in, in this series, is that Adam and Eve did not have parents. They did not receive blood genetically. So he received not only spirit, but he received blood directly from God. It tells me that there is a natural blood, but it also tells me there is a spirit in the natural blood. All right, hit your neighbor and tell him, wake up. There's, there's a natural blood, but there is a spirit attached to the natural blood. Leviticus 17 and 11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. All right, so where did the blood come from? All right, we're establishing it came from God. God breathed spirit, he breathed life, pneuma, blood, all of that into Adam. Now, I'm gonna hit this point again because it's important to grab hold of. God counts intent as action. He counts intent as action. It is the intent of the heart that is just as important as the action itself. For instance, you can do the right thing with the wrong spirit or the wrong intention and it will not profit you. You, you can do a good deed for the wrong reason. You can have the wrong intention for the good deeds that you do. And, and so we, we, have, we have to understand God counts intent as action. And so a lot of times, God is not looking at what we are doing, just the action. God is looking at the intent behind the act. Why are you doing what you do? Some people get caught up in doing things for the applause of people, and so the intention is wrong, and so they don't, they don't have any, uh, there's no profit attached to that. And you see it many times in church when people get offended and then they stop doing what they were called to do. What was your intention in the first place? I'm going to let that just settle. What was your intention to begin with? See, when we do, do things with the wrong intent or motivation, we begin participating in what the scripture calls dead works. It's a dead work. Yeah, you're doing A, B, and C, but your heart's off. And so God doesn't even count it. It's not working for you. All right, it's actually working against you because the intention is wrong. A dead work is anything that I am doing to earn the love of God. And so in church, a lot of times you will have some people doing things because they feel like if I do this, God will then love me. Wrong motivation. It should be the other way around. I'm doing this because I've already received the love of God. I'm not doing it to earn it. I'm doing it because I've already received and obtained 
his love and now I do it. Because if I'm doing it to earn his love, I'm now participating in a dead work, which the scripture says I need to repent of that. Anything I'm doing to earn God's love is a dead work. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Look at Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 15, real quick. I'm going to read all this just because the whole text is powerful. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and of the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. How many of you are thankful that we have a new covenant based on better promises through Jesus? I'm not doing all these things so that God will, you know, decide, you know, Chad's been good. I think I love him. I've already received his love. And so therefore I can serve. Therefore I can do what he's called me to do, not to earn it, but because I've already received it. And, and so you can have two people doing the same thing and one person, the intention's wrong because they're trying to earn something. But you got another person doing the same exact thing, but the motivation's right because they've already received the love. And they're, they're, they're actually doing what they're called to do out of a pure place. Um, Abraham, this is a great example. Abraham, God counts in 10 as action. Abraham was ready to kill Isaac and God stopped him and says, I've already seen the intention, Abraham. Do not kill him. The intention is just as good as the action itself. I still need Isaac here, so do not kill him. I've already seen that your heart's desire is to be pleasing to me. And so if intent is counted as action, all right, everybody's still tracking. Hit your neighbor again and say, wake up. If intent is counted as action, then in the spirit, in the counsel of God, the blood of Jesus was not just shed physically, but it was first shed in the heart of God before the foundation of the world. That Jesus's blood was shed before he got here because the, the deal was already done in the spirit. God already knew what Jesus would come to do. So God, if you go back to Adam, he breathed into Adam, put a part of himself within man, and, and the result was a natural blood flowing through Adam's veins that was on the inside of him, but he also had the breath of God that would be the life of Christ living in Adam before Jesus got here. That's why the scripture says that Adam was the son of God. And it's why it also tells us that Jesus, a lot of us, we, we want to think Jesus is the second Adam. Well, if he's just the second Adam, or the, then he could be the third, the fourth, the fifth. But how many know Jesus is really the last Adam? 
There, there's not another one coming. There's nobody else that has to make atonement. Nobody else has to shed blood. Nobody else has to go in to the heavenly sanctuary and purge it. Nobody else. Jesus did it. We just read it once and for all and has provided an eternal inheritance. He did it himself. All right. Keep tracking with me. I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. The physical blood is the life of the flesh, but inside the physical blood is the spirit or the nature of the image of God. All right? It was deposited in Adam. It's what makes you and I a living soul, a spirit inside of a body. Now, the nature of a thing and the spirit of a thing are many times interconnected. All right, the nature and the spirit is connected. The nature of a thing has to do with the spirit of a thing. It means its essence. Uh, it's what a person is inclined to do. They have a certain tendency, um, tendencies, plural. Um, they, they have an inclination to do certain things because the nature and the spirit are connected. It's kind of like when somebody's doing a lot of terrible things and we, we may use language like, man, they just got a bad spirit. Anybody ever heard that? Like a bad spirit. What they're really talking about is the nature is off. They have a tendency to continue to do the wrong things. And so the nature of something is determined by the spirit, all right, that is attached to it. That's why when Adam was created, his tendency, his nature his inclination was to live in the presence of God. How many knew Adam did not struggle when he was created to go into God's presence? God walked with him in the cool of the day. That was the inclination. That was his nature. That was who he was. But when Adam sinned, something changed. It, it, it changed drastically. When he transgresses the law of God, he causes something to happen, and, and it's not so much to his body, because he was still alive physically, but we know that something happened to his nature. By disobeying God, what Adam was robbed of was not hemoglobin. He was not robbed of blood, but he was robbed of the breath of God in the blood. From that time forward, even though we can see that he's still alive, physically moving around, he is now dead because of his sin. That's why the New Testament says that before Christ, we're dead. It means that we are, we're unaware of God. We are unconscious of God. We're, we're not alive to the things of God. And so when that happens, we are dead to the purpose of God. We are dead to the presence of God. We are dead to the will of God. Before Jesus, we are the walking dead. But aren't you thankful that, that when we know Jesus, we're no, we're not just alive physically, but we come alive spiritually and we can find purpose. We can find his presence. We can do what we've been called to do because he brings us back to life. But it's talking about spiritually speaking. But Adam and Eve, something changed. Something was off because they had this nature of God that has been robbed. It's, they, don't, they don't carry the presence of God like they did. And so now they reproduce children and they are not reproducing after God's kind they're reproducing after their own kind. So Cain and Abel show up, the two brothers. And they are not, the nature, the tendency is not 
to live in the presence of God, the nature and the tendency now is that there is hostility. There's jealousy between brothers. There's, there's anger. All of these things, why? Because they reproduced after a broken covenant. They reproduced after their own kind. The result is Cain killed his own brother. He killed Abel. Now I'm bringing that up because there is a natural shedding of blood, but there is a spiritual commodity to the blood. And so when God comes to the earth to address Cain over killing his brother, he says, Cain, where is your brother? And Cain got smart with God. And he said, I don't know. Am I his keeper? Knowing full well that he had killed his own brother. And here's what God, you need to go read this. Here's what God says. The voice of your brother's blood is crying out. I can hear it in my ears. God says, you killed him. He's physically dead, but there is a spiritual element to the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I deposited spirit in it, and your brother's blood is crying out, and I can hear it. It's powerful when we think about that because when there's a shedding of blood, the nature of that person is crying out to God. People will tell you that if you travel the world and you go to places where there's been a high volume of bloodshed, whether it be war, civil war, you go to certain places, you can feel it in the air because there is a spiritual component to the blood. To, and, and guys, listen, it's not about it being O positive or A type or B type. That's not what, what we're talking about today. It has to do with the fact that when blood is shed, that the spirit and the voice of the blood cries out to God. There is always something in scripture where God says, you cannot shed innocent blood because he's a covenant God who made an everlasting covenant with us. And we have to activate this covenant. We have to apply this covenant. And I believe that we have to start in the house of God. Because the truth is we have people who come to church that don't even know what their covenant is. They, they don't know how to apply this covenant. They don't know how to build a hedge around themselves or their family or their substance or their influence. All the things we talked about last week. Uh, applying the blood of Jesus to our lives. And, and a lot of times, and y'all don't throw anything at me this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. A lot of times we sit in church and, and, and we, we, we check the boxes and we, we do all the, the things that we deem religious or spiritual and, and we go home and then we, we criticize the darkness. We curse the darkness. We go home and around our dinner tables we talk about all the problems in the world. And we criticize people who sin. I, I, I just got an update for you. Sinners are supposed to sin. For us to sit around I, and, and complain and curse the darkness, I'm just tired of hearing Christians complain about everything. Especially when we're not willing to do anything about it. I mean... If, if God was able to work with Abraham and negotiate over Sodom and Gomorrah, 
down to 10 people. If you can just find 10 people that are righteous, I won't destroy it. That tells me that God is not looking for the actions of unbelievers. He's asking, where are my people? Where are the ones that have been washed in the blood of Jesus? Where are the ones that have been called by my name? That if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. God is saying, where are my people? We have to start with the house of God. We got to shake ourselves loose from this lax Christianity where we half pray, half praise, half worship, half go to church. I said it, didn't I? And then sit around and talk about all the things wrong with the world. And I'm not saying there's not things wrong in the world. But I'm saying if we're going to get this thing shifted and we're going to get it turned around, it's got to start with some people getting on fire with God that don't lose their anointing because somebody snubbed them in a parking lot or they didn't get to sit in the seat they wanted. Put me in the back corner. I'll call heaven down from back there, bless God. I'll, 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 I'll have a revival in the back corner of the room. We got to shake ourselves loose from some of these things and we got to activate the covenant that God has given us. Somebody say the blood. blood. When we're not focused on why God put us in the earth and the power of the blood, we get distracted by side issues. Side issues. We have all kinds of things that need to be addressed in this nation. But we, we do need to understand that our problem is a covenant problem. We're a nation that wants the blessing that serving God brings without actually serving God. And we have people coming up in the church now that have been living off the momentum of previous generations. And so they come into the church and want everything handed to them and they don't know how to pray anything through. They don't know how to really sacrifice for anything. They want to live off the momentum of grandparents' prayers. They want to sit in the train and be pulled and never really fight for anything for themselves. The problem is, is that unless that train is attached to an engine, eventually momentum is going to slow down. And I believe that a lot of the momentum that this nation has been operating under with blessing, I believe we have been watching over the last few years that the momentum is slowing down. Just in case you haven't noticed, the economy has slowed down and we have watched the healthcare system slow down and we have, we have watched the school system slow down because it, we, we can't just depend on what a previous generation did. We got to roll up our sleeves and we got to activate the covenant that Jesus has sealed and we got to learn how to pray some things through to see God move again. See, if we can get some Christians in this nation, if we can just get some Christians in this church, they would say, you know what? I'm, I'm not just going to live up under all this all my life. I have a covenant that God has given to me through Jesus, and I'm going to activate it over my life, over my family, over my home, over my kids, over my job. I, I'm going to apply the blood of Jesus to every aspect of my life, and I'm going to see change in my life and, and, and in the lives of the people connected to me. And so we, we've got to activate this. 
See, I think a lot of times we're trying to get Cain and Abel to like each other without dealing with their nature. We want everyone to get along, but we haven't dealt with the nature of, uh, of man. If somebody doesn't like you, you can't create enough laws to help them like you. And the opposite is also true. If somebody loves you and their heart is right, there ain't nothing you can do to stop them from loving you. It, it's the nature of man that has to change. We, we can't just deal with, with the circumstance. We got to deal with the nature. And so when Adam and Eve transgressed the law of God, the earth responded. Now, this is something that we mean. The earth is in covenant with God. Did you know that? Now, let me just throw something out there. We don't worship the earth. We worship the creator. All right? We worship the creator, the one who created heaven and earth. But the earth is also in covenant with God. And, and so there was a natural reaction that took place from the earth because there was a spirit released. And so what we saw when they sinned is that for the first time ever, the earth started producing thorns and thistles. In one part, when they were in rebellion in the, in, in the Old Testament, the Bible says the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them. That there was something that happened. That, that, let me say it like this because a lot of us are going to get lost in the details. When you're doing things the right way, God's way, the earth responds appropriately to you and also heaven responds appropriately to you. But when you're out of the will of God, outside of covenant with God, how many know the earth and heaven and everything is working against you? Nobody saying amen to that. I don't want that one, Pastor. I want that blessing thing you were talking about. Well, we have to do some things on our part to activate it. See, the earth in Romans tells us that the earth is groaning, not in death pains, but in birth pains. Like a woman in labor, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. What does that mean? It means that the whole earth is waiting on you to figure out who you are in Christ. We, we live our lives and we go about our days and, and so many times people come to the end of their life and they never really understood why God created them or who they are in Christ. And so they have to live consistently at the mercy of what's going on in their life. It is the breath of God, the same breath that was in Adam was now living when you turn over to the New Testament, you see that same breath in Mary. Because Jesus' blood could not be tainted. It could not be polluted. It could not come from Joseph. Couldn't be reproduced after Joseph, Joseph's kind. And so God breathed once again. How many of you understand that man after the fall was a different creature than man before the fall? Right? We, we know that because you and I are born into sin because of what they did which means our tendency is to do the wrong thing. But when we, when we give our lives to Christ, watch this, you become a new creation in Christ, which means that now I have a tendency to find the right way to do something. That I don't just struggle with all the... Ne we we want to get stuck in a cycle of just stop the bad, stop the bad, stop the bad. But when you're born again, guess what? There's some good stuff in you that wants to come out. 
two of you. Whoop. Yep. I believe it. This is something we got to get on the inside of us. That's why the scripture in the King James translation tells us that the word mankind, it is never used until after the fall. And the reason mankind is never used until after the fall is because there was only one kind. The God kind. Adam was a God man. Does that make sense? Like there wasn't another kind. I mean, he, he's literally carrying the breath of God in him everywhere he goes. And so God breathes on Mary the same breath that he had breathed into Adam. And, and so this is the deal that was made before the foundation of the world. His blood's got to be precious. It cannot be tainted. And so he breathes on Mary and, and Mary gives birth to Jesus. The word then becomes flesh. And it doesn't have anything to do with blood type. It has everything to do with bloodline. Jesus was of a different bloodline. The life is in the blood. There is a natural blood, but there is a life in the blood. That's why when Jesus came and started doing all the cool stuff, they said, watch this, what kind of man is this? Like, even the winds and the waves are listening to him. So I, I, I can see that he's a man, but he's a different kind of man. And the reason they said that about Jesus is because they were not around when Adam was doing what Jesus used, what Adam used to do, what Jesus started doing. They were not around then to see Adam operating like that. And so Jesus comes to show us a different kind and not just to model what, what he would do or to show us how awesome he is. But how many of you understand he has invited us to do what he did? He said, in my name, you will cast out devils. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they w will recover. He was saying, I am showing you the kind that you are. I am showing you a prototype of what you are called to be. But in order to do what Jesus did, we have to receive the same blood Jesus had. It's a powerful concept. When God breathed the breath of life into Adam, he breathed spirit and blood. This is why it's so important that we understand that the scripture tells us that the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. Life is meant to be lived in the Spirit. And, and, and it's, it's awesome when we grab hold of this. In the Old Testament, are y'all still with me or are you checked out? Is your roast burning? All right, I got a lot more. In the Old Testament, they, the, the priest, all right, um, some of the priests, okay, we'll call him a pastor, he, a pastor, would go in to the heaven, to the, to the earthly tabernacle. And so there was an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. And so once a year, the pastor would put on a certain garment, and he would go in to the innermost part of that tabernacle, into what was called the holy of holies. Before he would go in, once a year, to make atonement for not just the people, he had to make atonement for himself, uh, they would attach these little bells around the bottom of his garment. So he had all these little bells around the bottom of his garment. And so he would go in to the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle blood. And the people on the outside, if they could hear the bells 
all right? If they could hear those bells, they knew he was alive and atonement was being made. If they did not hear the bells, they knew that joker has died because he had sin in his life, honestly. And they, they had a rope tied to him and they would have to pull him out of there. All right? So if they didn't hear anything, they know he died. But if they heard the bells, they knew we can celebrate. We can worship. God has accepted atonement. He has accepted the sacrifice for, for our sins. And so they would get excited. And we see the picture in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the Bible says Jesus ascended into the heavens, right? And he purged the heavenly sanctuary. He cleansed it. We talked about that last week, but he did it with his own blood. And what I love is when you turn over to Acts chapter two, the scripture says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were gathered together in one place. They were in one accord. They were in unity. And the Bible says there was a sound. I believe the sound that they heard in the upper room was the fact that Jesus had successfully made atonement with his own blood. And now the Holy Spirit can come and be poured out because G don't have to go back and do it again one time, once and for all, it's done. And so they're filled with the Spirit because Jesus made atonement. He shed his blood, not for himself. God made him to be sin so that you could be made righteous. The word made, in both, both ways you look at that, it's the same word made. Jesus did not sin so that he could become sin. We did not do righteous. We were made righteous through what Jesus did. And so this, the power of the blood. And so we've learned in this series, all the places that Jesus shed his blood to bring healing into our lives at Gethsemane. He shed his blood for the healing of my desires. He shed his blood for the healing of my image. He shed his blood for my physical healing, that by his stripes, you and I are healed. A crown of thorns on his head to heal my thinking and to heal my mind. They pierced his hands to heal our work, what we put our hands to. They pierced his feet, which is showing us that God wants to heal our walk. I meet people all the time that say, you know, I just can't live for God, pastor. I just can't do it. I, you know, I'm not coming to ch- I just can't do it. It's too hard. And, and the reason people say things like that is because they are trying to live for God in their own strength. He said, but my, my feet have been pierced so that I could bring healing to your walk. When people say, you, have you ever heard somebody say, you invite him to church, and they say, if I come to church, like that building would fall in. Y'all ever had that happen? It's, it's awesome. Like, yeah, the whole thing's just going to fall in if you come rolling up in here. I tell them, hey, if the, people, if the building hasn't fallen in with the people we got, we're, you're, we're good. Come on in. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to laugh at yourself. Can't take yourself too seriously. But the blood of Jesus has been shed, and we activate it. Watch, in the Old Testament, they sprinkled it. In the New Testament, we say it. It's been sealed, it's been ratified, and we activate it in our life through our words. Now, we hit Abel, Cain killed Abel, and God heard Abel's blood crying out. 
That's Old Testament. That's Abel's blood. And so what we learn from that is that the blood still speaks. I hate to even go down. I, I won't go down. I'll save that for another time. If Abel's blood was able to cry out to God and speak, how much more does the blood of Jesus speak on your behalf? How much more does does his blood, unpolluted, untainted, sinless blood, how much does it speak on your behalf? That's why the scripture says that we offer up our praises continually. Why? Because his blood is speaking on my behalf. When I come into the presence of God, I don't tell him all that I've done and all my good deeds. I come confessing the blood of Jesus. I stand on the blood. I sing the blood. I plead the blood. I'm going to dance over the blood. Why? Because I couldn't get to this place on my own. Only through the blood of Jesus can we be who God has called us to be. Now we're going to activate this. I'm going to put these all up on the screen because today we're going to confess it over our lives together. Y'all ready? Number one, we're going to say these out loud. One, two, three, go. The blood of Jesus was shed for the healing of my desires. Number two, the blood of Jesus was shed for the healing of my image. Number three, the blood of Jesus was shed for the healing of my body. Number four, the blood of Jesus was shed for the healing of my mind. Number five, the blood of Jesus was shed for the healing of my work. Number six, The blood of Jesus was shed for the healing of my walk. Number seven, the blood of Jesus was shed for the healing of my fellowship. And number eight, the blood of Jesus opened up a way to heaven for me. Can somebody give God praise for what the blood of Jesus does for you? What it does for me. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back. I'm gonna try to quit in the next five minutes. Anybody give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, no, I'm just kidding. Now, last week we ended with the story of Job. Y'all remember that? How that Satan came before God and and God brought up Job and told Satan, he said, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered him? And Satan's, Satan's answer to God was, yeah, but you've got this like hedge all around him. Like you got a hedge around him and there's five areas that Satan recognized. God has a hedge around him He's got a hedge around his family, around his stuff, around his influence, like everything about that man. There's a hedge. And and I bring that point up because even the devil had to recognize the hedge. There was a spiritual component to the hedge. Natural blood, Job's sacrifice, we read that last week, sacrificed animals in the natural and spiritually, God surrounded him with a hedge. So much so that the devil couldn't go beyond the bloodline. Somebody's going to catch it in a minute. That when we apply the blood and activate the everlasting covenant and, and, and we confess the word of God and we build hedges around ourselves, that, those five, let's look at those five real quick. There's five hedges that we see. Number one, the blood is a hedge for myself. Number two, the blood of Jesus is a hedge for my home, my family, and my children. Number three, 
The blood of Jesus is a hedge for my substance around all your stuff. Number four, the blood of Jesus is a hedge for my work. And number five, the blood of Jesus is a hedge for my influence. If, if the blood of animals in the book of Job got God's attention enough to say that if he sheds the blood of an animal, I'm going to put a hedge around him and everything he has. How much more is the blood of Jesus surrounding you and protecting you on all sides? How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus that that saves you, delivers you, heals you, protects you? Anybody thankful for it? Go ahead and stand with me. I'm going to try to quit. I'm going to try to quit. Anybody getting anything out of this? All right, I'm making sure. Now, now look at this. Revelation 1 says, John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. You know why he's the firstborn? Because you and I are joining him. All right, he was the firstborn. And the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So he washes us in his blood. He calls us to be a kingdom. uh, 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 He calls us to be kings and priests, which means you ought to have some authority in your life. And that, that authority is not meant for just heaven. This is where the church has really missed it. We have taught people that they will rule and reign in heaven. Listen, God's got heaven handled. It's handled. But we are to rule and reign. Look at this verse. I'm just going to have to show it to you. Look at this. Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10. We'll just read two of them. And they sang a new song saying... You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal. They were looking for somebody worthy enough to open up the seals, and nobody was worthy enough until Jesus walked in. Now look at this. Because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Huh. Some of us are waiting till we get to heaven to start ruling and reigning. But when the life and breath of Jesus has been breathed into you, at that point, you are called and meant to rule and to reign. That's why we don't do well when we are under the load of sin. We don't do well when we're under a load of circumstances, when we're under a lot of stress. We don't do well with any of that because God didn't create you to live up under all that. God created you to reign over all of those things. And many of us, we're, we're falling short. We're, we're not really grabbing hold of who God has called us to be. But he tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, look at this verse. Last one, I promise this time. Deuteronomy 30. Because a lot of us, we think this is a stretch, Pastor. Like what you're, what you're preaching, what you're, this is a big stretch. I just don't know. I can operate like that. Look at what he says in Deuteronomy. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. 
nor is it beyond the sea so that you you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it here it is verse 14 no the word is very near you it is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it God is saying this thing's not way out here and not like it's unattainable God is saying it's all I've already put it in your mouth I've already put it in your heart. You activate the blood, the the, the everlasting covenant, because it's been sealed by the blood of Jesus, but you activate it through your words. You apply it through your words. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking around. I know this has been real heavy the last three weeks and and, and you're digesting it. That's cool. Uh, We'll we'll get more practical again, I promise you that. But this this is the kind of word that if you can apply these principles, you're going to see a big, big difference in your home, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your physical body. The blood of Jesus is a powerful thing. It's the reason we have relationship with God is because of the blood. If you're in this place today and you're not in relationship with Jesus and you need His blood to wash your sins away, you need to be in right relationship with Him and you want to make that decision today. If that's you, would you just say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. If you would just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. Thank you for this hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Say, that's me, Pastor. I need, thank you for that hand back there. God bless you. Thank you for that one over there. God bless you. Anyone else? So that's me. I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Anyone else? Thank you for the three online as well. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray together. Every voice lifted. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you to forgive me to wash me in your blood, to cleanse me, to create in me a clean heart, renew within me a right spirit. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you celebrate all those people that just came to faith in Jesus? Amen, wonderful. Our prayer team is coming forward at this time. We're going to do one more song, and we're going to open up the altars. If you need prayer during this last song, don't, don't leave without receiving prayer. We want to put our faith with yours. Thank you so much for being here today. Let's give God one more praise today. Come on, church. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.